Broadcasting live from Jerusalem to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. That pause that I had there was like, I wanted to say broadcasting live. Bezrat Hashem, with the help of God uh, from Jerusalem. And trying to really uh, uh, um, weave in God into your thinking, into your into whatever you do. And I'm joined here with Rabbi Mike Foy. Rabbi Mike, shalom and welcome. Shalom, Mishai. It's good to see you. I, you know, Rabbi Mike, I, I read something in Rabbi Nachman that I like very much. He says, before you walk into a store, you got a, you got a, you got a wallet full of money. You're about to walk into a store to buy that thing that you really wanted. He's like, look up to God and say, God, will you please buy me this thing? Will you please buy me this thing? And same thing, Rabbi Zusha, you know, famously he would say like, Zusha is hungry. God, yeah. Zusha is hungry. And just little things like that. And I just think it's, uh, it's an important thing that we do as Jews. You teach that to the kids. Like when, you know, we start a new page we're writing, we add a... That little thing, like a little BSD, which you know stands for with the help of God. Little things like that to inject, weave in. Well, you want God to be the frame of reference, I think. Yeah. And, and also an intimate relationship, but both. Meaning God should always be like right there next to you, but also the context of everything that you do. That's, that's the key to a, a deep relationship, I would say. Great. Well, that's going to be a great intro to our show today. Uh, and I'm excited. We're going to do the uh, Torah portion of Parshat Vayera. Uh, in the book of Genesis, we got a lot of moral quandaries to deal with, and yeah, that is the framing of the show. The framing of the show that I want to do is I want to go through every story, pick out one problem. One quandary? One moral or ethical, because sometimes they're a little bit more... Uh, what's the difference between moral and ethical, by the way? Is there? Is there a, I don't know if we want to go there right, right now. But, but, but eth- ethical, let's put it, is a more, you know... Moral is like a deeper thing. Ethical is like more of a, a like... My understanding is that ethical is a, is a kind of philosophical, systematic perspective, and moral is the sort of behavioral action perspective. Okay, so we're going to deal really, uh, whatever the categories are, maybe they're three, they're religious, uh, they're ethical, they're moral, but every one of these stories that we're going to deal with, and I, I thought to myself, this is the Torah portion, where every story, and it's got, uh, it's got these like four or five stories, every story is like... You, like, ooh, ooh you're, you, you're made to feel uncomfortable. Now, yeah. some, some of your students here at Pardes would, would, I think, misinterpret that and be like, this is a problematic text. Instead of understanding that... The, the whole point of it was right. that it should trouble you. Right. Yes, it's, I've had this discussion specifically about the binding of Isaac many times. Right, it's laid out to be scrutinized. Uh, it and should to trouble you. Meaning trouble, right. The idea of a moral quandary is that there's no simple answer. If it was a simple answer, it wouldn't be a quandary. Right. It would be a question. But, 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 <laughs> but do they realize, sometimes they don't realize, that it's written in such a fashion purposefully? Yes. It's not, it's not like, oh, look at you. You're in the year 2019. And, and, and you're now a, this troubles you. But everyone up till now <laughs> has found it perfectly clear that he was going to sacrifice his son. No, yeah, right. It's, it's true what you're saying. Right. And, and, and the truth is we're going to have a moral problem with uh, or a quandary in every one of the little stories. I really like I, I was like, wait a minute. Every story's got a little issue here that you don't feel quite comfortable with. So throw your best quandary at me, man. I will. But before before I go on to that, I just want to say something before I forget it. Uh, I wanted to tell you a phrase right before the show. I decided to leave it for after the sh- for for during the show. Here's here's what I wanted to say. First thing, we're on the Land of Israel Network, an awesome network with with great shows and and God bless all the other broadcasters, including your Amen. great show, which is called the Jewish Story, which is found here on this network, and and a lot of fun. There's a lot of good stuff here. Um, my sister, uh, Doctor Racheli, um, she she she's a you know a, a, a 
you know, a, a, a PhD from Columbia, and now she's at she's at the Weizmann and in, in in chemistry, organic chemistry. In any case, she was at a reward ceremony just now, and one of the Israeli, very famous Israeli uh, anchors was speaking. It's one of the little gigs you get. You, you like speak at all kinds Mint of events, awards yeah. or whatever. Right, yeah. this was an award ceremony, and and who it was? It was actually an acquaintance of mine, Donna Weiss. Now, Donna Weiss is a very famous Israeli. Saturday night uh, anchor, not just of news, but of a news show, like a 60 Minutes type thing, an investigative show. She's very well known and respected. Now, she happens to be on the left, maybe even further on the left. I, mean, it's, I wouldn't call her the far left, but further down the road. Further left, left, not right, far left. Right. <laughs> so, so she said something that th- at the speech that my sister told me that I wanted to tell you, which is, she goes, if you want to just, in one question, understand where somebody is politically in Israel, just ask him the following question. Is time working for us or is time working against us? Interesting. Right? Like, um, So, therefore, the right is going to say time is working for a, us. A person like me, I, immediately I was like, of course, time is working for right. us. Right. Time's on our that's, side. That's my whole outlook. And, is and, and, and the left feels like it, things are slipping time, out from right. under us. We got to make this deal now because there's ticking bombs right. and the demographics and, and, the and look at the whole outlook it's like yeah, time yeah. is against us we're in a kind of it's, trouble. A, pessimi- it's a pessimistic outlook right that's or, interesting right and i was like wow that is that is just a good one is time working for us or is it working against and what's us? interesting most interesting to me is i hear that also as a secular left-wing dodge of the god bullet meaning you could also just put the word god in there say it it's god working for <laughs> us or is god working <laughs> against us that's good because that's because I, I think that in the end of the day time is a is a is a um euphemism there Time doesn't work. Time doesn't work. It doesn't work for anyone. Time right. just is. Right? right. There's there's in when you say it's time and working for us, there's an implication of of will and there's some sort of like right. driving force. Right. I think what you're hearing there is an inability to articulate the sense that there's a larger will right. which is pushing against well, or pushing just, just forward. Just this morning to to relax, I watched uh, World War Two in color on Netflix. I always find Normandy to be quite relaxing. It was actually Pearl Harbor. Okay, and even, even you know more what, so. What a complex and interesting story. How interesting it was. How many things had to fall into place. For example, the planner, the major planner of, of the uh, Pearl Harbor attack was a guy who was actually against attacking the United States. But if he's like, but if we're going to do it, do Let's it do this right. way. Right. Let's <laughs> do it right. And it was very Japanese. It was, it was, you know, the whole thing was two hours. And two thousand soldiers, uh, sailors were were, were killed. And uh, very, yeah. very intense. But like, I the whole time I was thinking to myself, "Wow!" And please, nobody, please do not misunderstand that I'm in any way making light of the sacrifice of those people. But I thought to myself, "Wow, what Hashem did in order to bring the Americans into the war so that they can defeat the Nazis, so that Israel could be born." Well, I mean, by the way, it's not just God. There, there's a lot of theories that Roosevelt knew that something was coming, and not obviously of the scale that what emerged and and the only way to get the american people into the war would be for them to suffer some sort of attack they talked about that they yeah. talked about that he was goading uh the 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 germans or the or the japanese to to attack but they didn't expect pearl harbor no they thought of course the philippines yeah. they thought other places well this is one of the great challenges of democracy in general we're facing it right now with the nonsense once again going on I- I- with gaza which is that democracies have a challenge in marshalling the social will to get people to sacrifice their short-term interests in in favor of their long and so that's why we keep ending up in these sort of like spark flash in the pan rounds and round six with gaza right because why because to actually marshal the social will for us to send our brothers sons fathers friends into what is going to be a bloody and prolonged 
conflict with some visual outcome mm-hmm. is extremely difficult. And, and so on, on Pearl Harbor, they kept saying, well, the Japanese or the Americans knew that the war was inevitable. Inevitable. Right. I'm bringing that back to the time element, which yeah. is like, it's, it's, uh, it's fatalistic a little bit. It's like their war is, it's, it's in, it, the gears are turning. It's yes. happening. It's going that way. Notice people have begun to speak the same way about war in our region again, right. between us and Iran. Or you know the or, the Gaza, or, or the Gaza inevitable yeah, right. quagmire. <laughs> like you know, it doesn't have to be a quagmire. I, I, I do want to say that yesterday uh, uh, I was at home. Uh, no, I, I was I was out, uh, and then I came home, and and my kids were curious and a shtickle scared. Yeah, mine were also a little bit shtickle scared. And my son Elazar, who's eight, says, "Let's watch the news." Now, I had recently purchased this machine that lets me have like five Israeli TV channels in an old school way through an antenna. Really? But it's not a regular, it's a, digi- it's a digital antenna, but, it's not, but it ain't no cable. It's like the basic Israeli shows, but the real strength of that package is 8 p.m. News. news. That's, that's really, the rest is uh-huh. weak. But my son says, let's watch news. I said, good idea. And we all sat down for 30 minutes. We watched from around the country what was going on. Well, my my kids were like, they they left it a little bit even more scared on the one hand, but on the other hand, there was a lot of Jews, Israelis, who were like, yeah, my house was bombed, I'm, you know, but we're all right, thank Hashem. And there was a lot of also Jewish strength that you saw through yeah. there. So, I mean, listen, the people living in the Gaza border have a, a strength at this point, yeah. which is unfathomable. Right. It deserves to be responded to on the part of our larger society and our government. I understand, in part, why we haven't yet, but the time... It's going to come sooner rather inevitable. than inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's coming. Yeah. I would rather we chose it than just waited for yeah. it to happen. Well, and we kind of did choose it yesterday by taking poking out. Poking the bear. <laughs> poking we, the that, bear. That's what you call that. <laughs> poking the bear. It's totally poking the bear. It's like, hmm, what is he going to do now? Can I call, call Can I call this show Poking the Jihad Bear? Uh, if you want. Jihad Bear. Only if you quote me on that. Okay, Poking the Jihad Bear. Okay, fine. Yeah, and I, I did notice your tweet about the fact that at least they're not subtle when they call themselves Islamic Jihad. Jihad. I like that. <laughs> I, I like that. They don't call themselves the party of God. or this, that. It's, like, it's like, look. No, no, no. This is what we're <laughs> yeah, about. We self-define as yes. Islamic Jihad. And, and that's okay. You know what I mean? That's, we stand uh, out. We know where you stand. And people appreciated that tweet because they just like, just look, it's a conflict between them. Anyway, we could talk about Twitter and what's going out there a lot. But let's get to the Torah portion. Let's quandary. Uh, let's, let's have a quandary. The, fir- the first part of the Torah portion is really... Uh, Abraham is uh, sitting in, the, in in his tent. Our, our sages explain to us that's actually he's on the third day after his circumcision, which is meant to be the most painful day. Most painful day. It's a hot day, and he schwitzing. sees these. He's schwitzing, and it's the desert. And when I say hot, picture that yellow ball scene in the movies, like desert, like would you? And it says that God actually made it, took the sun out of its sheath, right? In order that Abraham, who was so enamored of hosting and welcome guests nor that nobody would be out so he maybe would lay down but no instead he sat in the gate of his or door of his tent just desperately waiting for somebody to desperately show. to do that desperately to teach desperately to be to do kiddush hashem anyway god sends these three uh people who are really angels and there's a great interplay between people angels people angels because there's a lot of food preparation happening here Sometimes you, you really have to wonder, like, why the Torah portion goes out of its way to tell you, like, what was exactly the food preparation. And the rabbis explain everything. He goes to the, to the sun and he says, prepare the, the bullocks. And, and that's to teach him, you well, know. Well, you know what he served them? Tongue. Tongue with mustard. With mustard. <laughs> it's like, who knew the angels were Ashkenazi? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Rashi, I would not have guessed right. that. I actually love tongue. 
and I like to eat tongue, and I feel a person like myself who uses his mouth a lot, you know, has to do that too. eat. But my wife does not like tongue at all. I do like tongue just with mustard. That's yeah, with mustard, with mustard, like yeah, with mustard, with <laughs> mustard, right? And and okay, but here we go. And and the basic message of this part of the story is Abraham, where's Sarah? She's in the tent. Cool. Guess what? You guys are going to have a son. That's, that's the upshot of it. You're going right. to have a son. And and. Uh, and that that's surprising news, given that they are. And the Torah tells us Sarah's stopped having the, the menstrual way cycle, women. Uh, women the menstrual menstrual cycle. And moreover, Sarah says about her husband, he's old. I.e., he's old. Right. <laughs> okay. I.e., okay. we're friends. <laughs> I don't know, but but here's here's the, here's the thing. So so when Sarah hears this news, ostensibly good news, she laughs, and then. There's a little tussle there where where God says to her, why'd you well, laugh? laugh? I didn't laugh. She said, I laughed. She goes, you did. You, you did. <laughs> okay. So, and I, I always thought to myself, here's the first moral moral quandary here. What's the biggie here? Why is it upsetting? Or or why is it either, what what is the, and, and the Torah does not hint us exactly what the emotional makeup is. Is she in trouble for laughing? I'm not sure. Is the laughter is itself a part of the name of this child that's going to be born. Right. I mean, remember, who, who, by the way, also who, by the way, he's not a big laughy, it seems no, like. He's, right? he's not he's such a funny guy. Yeah. Although he is mitzachik. Right. He is mitzachik rifka. That's right. You know, but, but Avram also laughed. Let's not forget that. In the first time Iteration. we had this announcement, right. um, and of course our sages make a distinction between the nature of their laughter, which is what illuminates for us where the moral quandary is, which is that his laughter, well, listen, put it this way. Why do you laugh? What makes you laugh? If I say to you, a horse walks into a bar, you're already smiling. Yeah. Why? Because a horse doesn't belong in a bar. That's right. right? The, the, the heart of humor is the ability to juxtapose things which our normal frame of reference doesn't put together. Right. Right? And, and so what God is telling both Avram and Sarah in separate incidents is that, yeah, you have a way of knowing the world where old people don't have children. I'm going to put those two things together and what in your mind and what is it going to produce? So one is the sort of liberating laughter of like, wow, the world is bigger than I ever knew. Right. But the other one is the cynical laughter, which is, no, I actually know how the world really is. And, and, and that's the distinction that our sages make between their laughter, that, that, that Avram's laughter is a laughter of wonder. Like, who knew? That the world could be like that. Right. And that Sarah's laughter is the cynical laughter of an insistence that even though God is telling you that it's going to be that way. Right. No, I actually know. Okay, but the cynicism that I encounter around the world isn't a laughy kind often. It's more... Well, no, but the, darker. The, like, no, like but she the doesn't deepest cynicism is when you can laugh at someone's naivete. Right, but, but like, <laughs> oh, you silly settler. You really think that you're going to survive in the face of a sea of Arabs? I, I actually I'm sure use people that. have laughed at you before. Well, I actually use it the other way. I use it oftentimes. I go, silly jihad. You're silly, you know, if you think you're going to get rid of us. But, but that's but not that, cynicism. Well, it's... Uh, no, that's, that's exactly not. That's Avraham's, which is like, like <laughs> I get why you see the world that way, right. but the reality is I have a wider perspective. You think, you think Sarah got in trouble for this laughter? I mean, listen, our, our, our sages definitely say that, that, that it was not a positive interaction between she and God. Right. But, but on the other hand, if you read the text, it's like, I didn't laugh, but you did. It's not like... It, it seems even more, I would say, even a tad informal... It's it's a tad like God is having a conversation with Sarah, and he's like, "You laughed. Why why'd you laugh exactly?" And she's like, "No, I didn't." He's like, well, yeah, listen, you did. At the risk of jumping to the end of the parsha, this yeah. plays itself out at the Akeda, at the Binding of Isaac, right? Um, because one of the ways of, of understanding the Binding of Isaac is that it is the natural follow through 
to the two different types of laughter that occur with the announcement of Isaac's birth, right? God says to Abraham, you're going to have a son. And Abraham laughs because suddenly a whole horizon of the world opens up for him that he never even contemplated. And, and just think of how liberating it is, like when suddenly, like, you know, you think you know what's happening and things look dark and grim and narrow. I'm never going to have a child. Everything's in. Suddenly, boom, the horizon opens up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's liberating, right? Yes. And, and, and yet, there's a final test that Abraham has to pace, right. which, which is, do you appreciate how big what I showed you was? Because now I'm both going to tell you that Isaac is your future and to sacrifice him. And, and, and sorrow, <laughs> our sages say, dies when she hears that. Right. That it almost happened. In a sense, what you're saying is Isaac is no laughing matter. Well, he is a laughing matter of a very particular type. Right. There's. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say that maybe here is one of those moments where Jewish humor, even if, even a little bit of a dark humor. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, like we're gonna come out of this Holocaust and build a state. Yeah. <laughs> That's. It's like. You know, and there's and 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 there's people who cannot deal with any Holocaust jokes, and then there are people, and I think it's a Jewish thing, to 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 kind of throw a little dark humor out there, and it's a dark laughter. But but Wait, I've ever told you before that through some of the um, interfaith dialogue work I've done, I discovered there's a whole category of suicide bomber jokes that <laughs> Arabs tell each other. No. Yes, like apparently the word for virgin and raisin is very close to each other. So like a series of jokes about how you go to heaven, you discover yeah, seventy two, yeah, right. seventy two raisins. Right. How many? I, I mean, just yesterday, I told the old. Or how long the line is to get into Jerusalem, the checkpoint. You blow yourself up, you get there first. And like I'm telling you, it, it, like who would think if that's a, that there's a human tendency right. in the grimace of situations to reach for humor? It's like that suicide bomber who who goes up to 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 Muslim heaven, and and then like George Washington's hitting him, and Ben Franklin's hitting him. And, and Madison's hitting him, and he's like, "What's going on here? Where's my seventy-two virgins?" They're like, "No, Virginians." Oh. <laughs> Oldest joke in the book. Oldest joke oh. in the book. Anyway, the moral quandary there a little bit is is Sarah's laughter and and what what really it is what what happens there now. The next, next quandary, right? Next part of the story is the famous. It's really the it, it's it's maybe you would agree that it's the sister story to the binding story, which is God's argument for. Sodom and the Sodomites. Yes. Right? They're trying to defend for Abraham's them. Abraham's argument. Avra- for oh, that, what did I say? You said God's argument yeah, for Yeah, yeah. Abraham's argument for, for, for Sodom. And, and so, so Abraham stands. I think the text goes out of its way to juggle both humility and at the same time real Jewish chutzpah. Oh, yes. To talk to God. Um, and, and by the way, interesting, from my encounter with Muslims, they've basically led me to believe that in Islam, there's no idea of changing God's mind. Like, you're a peon. You're an ant. You are not supposed to challenge God. You're not supposed to really pray for stuff, for anything to happen. You're just supposed to accept the will of God. It's a fatalist stance. Right. Fatalist or maybe not even fatalist. Maybe it's just like, it's a lot of humility, really, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, sure. But that's not the Jewish position, or at least that's certainly not the Abrahamic not, position. Yeah, I say. It, it, there, it is in there, but the Abrahamic position is specifically not that. Right. And, and here he goes arguing for Sodom. And basically, there's a great phrase Oh, you know what? I, I wanted to read a pusuk from every uh, from every little uh, every quandary, little quandary, and the the the, the one previous is uh, chapter eighteen, book of Genesis, Bereshit Yudchet, pasuk Yudbet, verse twelve. She laughed within herself, Le'emor, saying, Haitali Edna, shall shall I have softness of skin after I have become aged? Vadonizaken and my master. 
is uh, is old. And I would point out that there's a at least a drush and that that her laughter remains within her boundaries. Right. And that's what makes it cynical. Right. Right. As opposed to the laughter that opens you out to new horizons. Mm-hmm. Or, or she laughed within herself as in Isaac was in her. Oh. Right? The Titzchak Bekirba. Like, it's like Yitzchak is inside of her. This already. is true. Okay. Um, fine. Next so, right. so, okay, fine. So, the, 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 t- th- 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 one angel goes back to, this is a little bit more explanation of the, of the sages. One angel goes back uh, to, 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 to the heavens, but two go down to destroy Sodom. And uh, God lets him know, God lets Abraham know, because there's a beautiful verse that says, listen, I have to, uh, I got, I, I have known Abraham. Here's the verse, uh, uh, Utet uh, 19, Ki datif, I have known Abraham. He's going to command his household and his children afterwards. They're going to keep the path of God. To do justice and judgment. So that God will bring unto Abraham what he promised him and what he spoke of him. And then definitely he's going to tell him what's going down in Sodom. And you know what? It's like, it's like uh, of course, this is a kind of tongue-in-cheek, like, don't misunderstand me. But it's like God's like, oh, I'm going to tell you what's going on. And then suddenly I didn't expect you to now argue with me. Or, or right? that actually, because you, you didn't read the beginning of that paragraph where, it's, where there's this strange rhetorical question, like, who's God speaking to when, when, when he says, Am I going to hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Right. Right? He's going to be this great nation and all the world will be blessed through him. I would say that, that this is an opportunity for something which is within Abraham to be brought out. Mm-hmm. Right, because because in in the end of the day, God knows, God knows where this is going. Right, the one who doesn't, the unknown quantity is Abraham, mm-hmm. and we see this again and again in Abraham's life. And I think that many of these moral quandaries are function exactly that way: is that they bring out the depth of human experience that Abraham represents. Okay, so but but for for most people, this is maybe even a shocking thing. This is this is this is in some ways one of the more shocking stories, and certainly at this early stage of of the Book of Genesis. The, sh- the shock is, and the moral quandary is, how much are you supposed to argue with God? Are yeah. you supposed to argue with God? Yeah. Are you, supposed, are you supposed to say phrases to him like, will the judge of the whole earth not do justice? That's about Like you're given tochecha, you're giving, yeah. you're given lip. These the first, this, by the way, this is the first instance in the Torah of anyone disagreeing with God. Right. God says to, to, to Noach, I'm going to destroy the whole world, build an ark. Noach says, okay, how big? Okay, right. <laughs> you know? And, and and this brings out the depth of what Avraham represents in the world. Right. I would argue that that the, the this is one of when it says Vinivarhubo Kol Goeharetz, right? That that all the nations of the world will be blessed through him, that one of the great blessings that Avraham brings to the world, which the Jewish people to this day maintain, whether it's in our humor or whether it's in our chutzpah or what have you, is the fact that what it is to be human and to be a servant of God, to be a true servant is sometimes to disagree. Right. And the question is, of course, when and where. Right. Because that can get a little bit out of hand, as and, we know. And I think you you've said this many times on, on other shows, which is to to be partners with God in creation. Like that's that's the big moment here. Yeah. Well, the big moment is that. Let Let's discuss this before you do something. Let's discuss this. I want to be a partner with you. And at the end of the last portion, when God gave the covenant to Abraham, he said to him, Right. Go before me, and be whole. As opposed to Noah, who 
We went with him. They were holding hands. Meaning there is a, a creation which lies ahead that Avraham is the only one who can unfold. And God has given over to some degree the path ahead to Avraham. So this is what we see coming out here. It's, it's a, this is a real will. It's a human will. So Okay, so, so quandary number one, we dealt with the, the laughter of Sarah. The second quandary is arguing with God. Third quandary is, is, is very dramatic, and that is the two angels go down to Sodom. They meet Lot there. Now, Lot has some Abrahamic characteristics. Yeah. He, is in, he invites them into the house. <clears throat> he wants to, he, he, it's important for him to, to protect them and house them. He, he recognizes their importance, <clears throat> but then there's a divergence. The divergence is, is that he's in a very bad neighborhood. The, towns, the, the, the townsfolks come uh, to the door and they say, oh, you have guests? Let, us, let, let, let them out so that we may know them. But this isn't the good kind of knowing. Okay, this is the bad kind of knowing. It's the biblical knowing. No, but the, the, even well, within it's, that. It's the biblical knowing in a bad kind of way. They, they're, <clears throat> they're actually, I think they're using that term a little bit cynically. It's like, there is a good knowing. Yeah. This is not that. No, no. This is, this is, a, this is a, a dark warp, warping of that knowing. Well, let's call it what it is. They're looking for rape. They're looking for rape. And they do, by the way, interestingly enough, they, he, at first they don't say that, but then later they'll, 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 they say to him, when he comes out and he says to them, my brothers, don't do this thing, they say, we'll do worse to you than we wanted to do to them, as in they're, they're admitting that they wanted to do an evil. Right. They, they admit that. And you know what makes them so angry? Is that they say, well, you've just come to live amongst us and now you're going to judge us. Now you're going to judge us. Right? Right. Nothing evokes the anger of people seeking license more than the perception that they're being judged. That's right. That's right, and and that's exactly uh, in contrast with what with what Avram says to to God. Like, are you, are you the you know are you not going to do justice? He's They're judging like, God, right? And God's thinking, oh, awesome! <laughs> I've been waiting two thousand four hundred plus years for somebody to do that. Wow, that's awesome! And but they can't they can't take that. Now here comes the moral quandary. Here's the moment where you're like, this is weird. As he says, you know. I got these two daughters. Why don't you take them? They they haven't been with a man before. Why don't take you them. T- take them and do what you got to do? What what is that? Now and and now juxtapose that to that these same two daughters will later on in the very same story will ply their father with alcohol as to have relations with him at night as to get impregnated so they can repopulate the world and end up basically giving birth to two nations who are going to be enemies of the Jewish people and yet within from one of these nations is going to come root who's going to be the great-grandmother of, of King David right but like what was that moment what was the moment of, of uh, here take my daughters yeah what's that about I, I mean on, on one level I think it's it's um bespeaks in a very deep and, and yeah, disturbing way the nature of the society within which this is happening is that that his daughters are property, but, but the, these guests are sacred. And in fact, he actually says to the, these sort of these, this men riding outside his self, outside, sorry, um, outside his house, um, looking for the verse here, um, so you know he offers them the daughters, but he says, you know, um, 
Korati, right? Don't do this. Why? Not because it's morally wrong, right. but because they've come under the shadow of my roof. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a sacred bond that exists as soon as Lot brings them into his house. And he lives in what we would call a patriarchal society in which his female children are property. Mm-hmm. Now, that is an uncomfortable statement from the perspective of our society, but I think it's one that sort of accurately illuminates why this would be a logical, if not logical, at least a a moral decision from his perspective, that the sacred value is hospitality, Mm -hmm. right? And that these these two girls are are actually not in his eyes more than property. As as opposed to Abraham, who is very concerned with, uh, and God, who's concerned with Sarah and her chastity, and all that, uh, yeah, no. This is indicative of of um, a, a moral system gone awry. Right, right. This is not. This is not. And now, notice on one hand, he's I mean, what's upholding, the relationship with the, by, but from the fact that the, the first part, which he offers them to these rapists, to them afterwards plying him, like what's? The, yeah, that's a hard one to <laughs> plumb. Other than the sort of the tr- the trauma of that experience. Remember, they're in the house and they're mm-hmm. obviously old enough to know what's going on. Since sure, witnessed their conversation only a day or two later, right? And and, and one could say is that that. That um, once you sort of uh, pull the stakes out from any moral guidance by treating these children as property, then they've lost any standard of moral behavior and it would make sense to them to seduce their father in, in order to sort of repropagate the world that they think has been destroyed. Meaning the, the stone represents a place where all moral standards have been destroyed. Warped, yeah. And I think that that plays itself out in what they think is a good decision. Remember, they're trying to do the right thing right. when they get their father drunk. Right. And that itself makes it more disturbing. On top of that, you know, when you end up in a cave, but suddenly there's a flask of wine? Several, apparently. Right. Like, the, what's that about? That's another yeah. little thing. We which is them like, in the hem. Right. right. It's, it's like, happened to be here. Yeah. Well, look, and a barrel of there's, wine. There's a few things like that in Torah where, like, this... this, this uh, you know, it's like a video game. Like, you just needed that weapon. You needed right. that thing. Like, dude, you know, there well, it is. And as you pointed out, one of the things that comes from it is the line of the Messiah. Right. Which is a, a very rich vein to plumb in terms of the complexity of making your decisions in life, which on the surface of it, this appears clearly wrong. <coughs> right? And I'm not looking to justify it in any way. But how do we relate to a world in which wrong actions can give birth, literally, right. to the right results? Right. That's another. That, that's that's a moral quandary. That's definitely yeah. a moral quandary. Okay. Uh, next one is is somewhat related, but this time back camera shift back to Abraham, back to Avraham Avinu, and uh, this time he's hanging out in Grar, which is basically Gaza. Grar, yeah. Grar, right? It's it's important to know that Grar is with Nachabasol, which right, is so the it's a little major bit east riverbed. of Gaza. Yeah, right, that a little bit flows east. into Gaza from the right. west. Right. Okay, so he's sorry. there, and there's a king named Avi Melech. He's got a nice name. Uh, my father is king. My father is king, and he Sarah is. Obviously, I thought to myself yesterday to see Sarah. Sometimes I like to think about things like that. Like, what would Sarah really look like? You know, just, uh, you know. So the answer is you wouldn't have known because she was too modest to show you. Uh, obviously, other people were able to uh, adjudicate that she was uh, quite beautiful. And, uh, and Avimelech takes her in. And now this is the second time that we've learned of, of this taking of Sarah. <coughs> and the second time that it's premised... On um, that, that she plays the sister. That Avram says she's my sister. Right. But, you know, like, fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> or shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You know, right. it's like. But that was, okay, the first one was, was Pharaoh. Here is Avimelech. Uh, an interesting relationship, again, between Egypt and Gaza there. Uh, but in any case, um, God comes to 
Avimelech at night. Now, Avimelech is going to twice in this Torah portion, like, make, he defends himself. His big defense, by the way, is ignorance. So I didn't know. And he'll say that later on. Yeah, you yeah. didn't tell me. Yeah. I didn't know. I started thinking the second time around, I'm like, he thinks you, you, you're- you, Doth protest too much. You're a little too ignorant. <laughs> yeah. You know, like- like this, the first time, like hey, maybe, maybe he really didn't know. The second time, like he plays this card a lot. <laughs> he he's keeps saying that I didn't know. Maybe he kind of did know. In any case, uh, God says to him, uh, hey, he's he's now now it's interesting. He's also arguing with God for himself in this case. Yeah, he's he says Avram's opened the door in our story. Right. He says, listen, he told me she's the sister. And I didn't know. And I did it in with a good uh, conscience. Good conscience. So God says to him, uh, by the way, this is not the uh, the uh, tetragrammaton, it's the general Elohim, right? Um, and he says, well, I know that you did it with a, with good, with, uh, with a good conscience, but uh, I saved you from touching her or else, right? Like meaning to say, I actually did you a favor because I stopped you from touching her one way or the other uh, or else you would have you gone down. Now, interesting, here's another thing. He says, now return, here, here's my moral quandary. Return the woman to the man, for he is a prophet. Vata, now, this is verse uh, chapter 20, verse 7. And now, Hashev Eshetaish, return the, the, the man's wife. Ki navihu, he's a prophet. Vitpalel badcha, he let him pray for you. and live. But if you don't return it, Da kimotamut. You should know you're gonna going die. Down. You and everything that's yours. Now here's here's the interesting thing. And he does so. Uh he, by the way, there's a funny there's there's also some humor in this week's Torah portion. He says, uh, check this out. He says, uh Here's your sister. Here's your sister. <laughs> that's <right>? the best <laughs> line. I was reading it this morning, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh the sarcasm. <laughs> I caught that at 11. Here's your sister. All right. Yeah. Jerk. Here's your sister in quote marks. Here yeah, you go. Jerk. Right. Thanks a lot. killed me. But what? here's the moral quandary here. Why does it when God says to him, okay, return the thing and make sure he prays for you because he's a prophet. Wait a minute. I made a mistake. You had, you had, you agreed that, 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 that it was- uh, In innocence. In innocence. And I'll return it. Why do I also need to coax this guy who's a prophet to pray to you who are talking to me now? To get back to to wholeness, like what do I like? What what, what is this? Some kind of bureaucracy? Like I got, <laughs> I got to go through the other guy. Go, you got to go to this office, fill it out in triplicate, and come back here. Is that what it is? But or, 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 what's he saying? Oh, by the way, there's maybe it's something that I said before, which is there's two different energies or or, or channels of God that we're talking about here. The 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 God of nature, the God of all things, says, listen, you need you need some special. We're going to up-level on this one. Yeah, you got to go to Abraham, who's going to talk to Yudke Vavke, to the Tetragrammaton side of the story, and and, and, and he, you, you need some personal, uh, what's it called? Uh, no inter- intervention. Intervention here. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it revolves around the fact that this is the first appearance of the word Navi in the entire Torah, right? And, and it's the first place that we encounter that there's a special, like you said, office. I mean, you were joking about bureaucracy, but office or a special uh, role, a rest of human capacity for uh, for divine intimacy. And so it may be that that yeah, of course, God could heal Avimelech without Abraham's intervention. Mm-hmm. But there's a situation here where God is able to elevate Abraham even through his questionable behavior mm-hmm. in once again presenting Sarah as his wife. I mean, sorry, as his sister. Right, that, that we are introduced to the idea that Avram has a special relationship with God, and that even someone like Avimelech, who apparently merits a dream where he communicates with God, 
even that is not what Avram's holding. And so therefore, God uses this as an opportunity to enhance the status of Avraham and to introduce to us as the readers down through the generations the fact that, that, that um, what a Navi is and the ability to act as intercessor, which is one of the primary roles that Navi plays the rest of the, the Hebrew Bible, um, is something specific in particular, and it belongs to Avraham and his descendants. Avraham is also going to benefit personally from this because... Oh, and this is an amazing teaching here, which is that when he prays for Avimelech and his household, it's Avram who's going to be blessed. And that's the other, I think, other answer, is that this principle that, um, that when we truly want something, that actually praying for others to get that which we need is a way in which we can open that ch- channel of the divine will into right. the world. Right. right. So basically, guys, once again, using this as an opportunity to benefit Avraham and not right. Avimelech. Okay, let, I just want to turn this for a second into a very practical thing, uh, advice for friends. Uh, listeners. By the way, I just want to say in parentheses, I got a lot of emails last week about Leia being on the show. A lot. I got a lot of people really like that. And I also have emails from the previous week about morning rituals. Yeah, I got a couple too. Let's let's get to that next week. Uh, not, yet, uh, before I close this parentheses, I'm flying out tonight uh, to Florida for, for like five days. So I didn't have time to, to print out everything and look at everything. So we'll try to do it for next week. Those were great emails, bo- both of the kinds. And, and we'll, we'll get to that. Close parentheses. Uh, but the advice for friends is like this. Whatever problem you have, <clears throat> and you have a problem. I know you do. Don't we all? Identify it. Then, and, and, and speak it out or write it down. And then find a friend, colleague, person that you know who has a similar problem in your estimation. Don't say a darn thing to him or her. And just pray for that person. Just pray for that person for that thing. Without even saying, and also God remember me within that. Just, just. Well, I would say specifically without saying right. that. Right. Just focus on that person and do a kindness, which is to pray for that person's problem. And part of the power there is it removes the um, small ego self from the power of prayer. Right. Like our, our sages are always very worried about prayer as gimme, gimme, gimme. Right. Like I want, I want, I want more money. I want better health. <laughs> I want, uh, you know, whatever, a, a spouse, etc. I mean, those are legitimate desires but but do they really belong in the world does the world need more wealth through you does the world need more companionship through you so the answer is if you really want the world to be filled with more companionship really genuinely of course you also would like to be the vehicle but really what you want is that god's will finds expression through love in the world so prove it to me by praying for someone else Mm -hmm. instead of just yours Mm -hmm. and then when you open that channel then more of it will flow in the world great Uh, if you have any examples of that out there uh, any success on that? Why don't you do hashtag uh, pray for pray for someone else? Pray pray for another. Pray for another. Pray for another. Pray for another. Hashtag pray for another, and give us a story about how how that worked. If you want, I don't have to use your name or whatever it is, but pray for another. Uh, that's 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 an awesome thing. Okay, so then so so Abraham prays for Avimelech. Their household is once again it was like it was somehow closed up. The channels were closed up, and so there was no birth there was no and i think there was also uh, people were stopped up and out all kinds of yeah, ways it's really strange that rashi like insists even though the, the simple reading is about birth rashi insists no constipation right they were they were just <laughs> they were stopped up the whole thing was stopped up yeah okay nothing's uh, moving nothing's moving and but if you think about it if you think about it i understand what rashi's saying because when there's no flow it, it's if, if you think about the human being really flow flow through 
is 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 absolutely key. The the well, it's the only thing that allows us to receive more than our limited capacity. Right. Remember, that's the theme of. And, but of, it also to expel, meaning to say also to get rid of waste. Yeah, for sure, and then to make room for more. But but right. the flow through is what I'm right. speaking about. And again, it brings us back to Yitzchak and that laughter. How do you hold more than you're capable? Or I, let's say it differently. How do you receive more than you're capable of holding? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So laughter is one answer. Right. And here, praying for other, meaning the flow through, that the divine will should flow through me. Not that I have my limited gimme, gimme, gimme attitude. Right. But, you know, God, do your will through me mm-hmm. for another. That's right. And remember, I'm a, I, and, and, and I say this to myself sometimes, I'm a channel for good. I got to be a channel for good. So if I'm angry and stuff like that, I'm not doing my job because yeah, I'm not being a channel for good. Yep. Right? That's just not that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be a channel for positivity for for Ein Tova, not Ein Ra, etc. Um, okay, the next story is going to be a dual story. First is the birth of Isaac and his uh, weaning. The great humorous, I think, great Yitzchak story is that the Medr says that they had a weaning party at two years old. But all the uh, wives of the ministers and stuff that came to the party brought their babies. Somehow all the uh, wet, wet nurses, nurses were, were off that day. Uh, it, was, it was some kind of strike, union thing. Wet nurse strike. Wet nurse strike. But guess what? All the babies started crying. Wah, wah, wah. That's not a party. It's like babies on the bus. Babies on the bus so go wah, round wah, and wah, round. Wah. Right, wah, wah, wah. That's right. And then, But guess what? Sarah steps up to the plate. Steps up to the plate, is able to just uh, feed all those kids She's able to nurse all of those kids, and I mean, to the point that she's they're the just super nanny. She's the super of nanny. Antiquity, right? <laughs> I need to write that down. <laughs> so you know, that's my goal of a show to get you to laugh and then write something down. <laughs> well, you know, there you go. It's it's it, we're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, Yitzchak, and she nurses them all, and I mean, to the point they're all just passed out. These kids are just digesting. Yeah, I know that like googly baby, like right, googly ba- drool coming right. out there and their eyes are all, like right. rolling And they're back. all having Hebrew milk. You know what yeah. I mean? They're having Chal Yisrael. <laughs> they're all having Chal Yisrael and that's, that, I think there's a message in there that Sarah teaches you know, Torah to the world. By the way, the, the, just on the parable level, check this out, they accuse Sarah of stealing this baby. There's no way that this old woman could have had this baby. Right. She must have found it in the in the shook in the, in shook, the marketplace. In the she she picked up this kid and now she's faking us. But when she was able to feed everybody, it was obviously proof that her body was working. Right. That she was indeed able to to conceive and, and give birth. But the other part of the story is, you accuse me of theft, and instead I feed you. Hmm. That's that's the Jewish kind of story here. You accuse Israel of stealing your land, but we're a light to the world. We want to give you. We want to bless you. And you're always saying that we're horrible and thieves and accusing us of all of all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's not just it's not a just that whole it's, list. Right, it's a whole list. But instead, like what Sarah wants to do is really feed everybody. But the other part of the story, which is exact contradiction to that, is is that she doesn't want to feed one person. She doesn't want to feed little Ishi. Yeah. Okay. She does not want to feed Ishmael, and she There's says a hard place in the heart there. Right. And and what happens is Sarah says to to her husband Abraham, this kids. The Ben Ha'ama, the son of the of the maidservant, servant, right? Right, because the Torah told us earlier that she gave to him as a wife, but here in her language, also in God's language, Lo Ben right? My son, my son Yitzchak will not inherit together with this guy. Say, so just say, well, you know, he was also shooting at Isaac and and, and tr- troubling him, raising him, right? Or maybe you bring Avodah Zara into the house, right? So she says, in a, in simple terms, kick him out. Moral quandary is the moral quandary of Abraham, who it says very clearly, 
This was really bad in his eyes. This was his son, his first son. Now, the Sephardi Jews will always say, the Sephardi Jews will always say, they'll say to me, did Avraham, whose son is, is, is Ishmael? Is, is, did Avraham have Ishmael? I'll say yes. They'll be like, no. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, that's Avram. It's a different thing. Guy, right. It's a different guy, and it's also a different body. Because he was pre pre Mila, right? So circumcision. So, yeah. so it was a different dude yeah. in many ways, okay? And it, and it, she's not the wife; she's the maidservant. But kick him out of the household—that's no, harsh. Shot that, that this is something that Avram does not want to do, right? Even when God promised him that Yitzchak would be born, Avram's first response was "Lu lefanecha." Like, listen, I actually have a son now. Like, let let him inherit. And God says, "Don't worry; he's going to be a great nation, also." But but the plan, so to speak, the covenant. Is going to go through Yitzchak, um, and there's there's listen this goes the, the folks here at Pardes can can they swallow? No, this, this is this, this, this because this goes this goes to the heart of one of the most difficult aspects. And listen, uh, you know we make fun of the oversensitivity here often, which is not undeserving. But no, but, I, I, but I, I, the, wait, 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 wait. Let me qualify. The Torah is putting it as a moral quandary. Yes, Abraham has a moral quandary. So when I say the students here have that quandary. They're having the quandary of Abraham. Well, but the question that is, that we, shouldn't be, that's not mocked. are we able to hold both sides of it? Because, because the Torah is asking me to feel Abraham's pain. It's asking me to have a moral moment here. No, I understand. But my point is, is that the, there's, a, there's a limited capacity I experience amongst at least my students to hold both sides of the quandary, which is that they're and not just like a simplistic, well, God said so, therefore you got to do what God says. But th- this is one of the expressions of the fact that, that there is a particularist element in the divine mission given mm-hmm. to Abraham. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever we deem to be the logic, y- Yitzchak, not Ishmael, this one, not that one, we could get into that, maybe yes, maybe no. My point is that at the root, there's a tension between the universalist element, which is, Avram has two sons, and he's the Av Hamon Goyim. Everybody, 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 everybody comes under the umbrella. At the same time, in order for that to happen, it has to be this guy and not that one. Right. That there's something very particular about what ultimately becomes the Jewish people. Right. And that, on some degree, will always be bound up with pain. This mother of a lion, this lion cub of a mother, the lion lioness, excuse me, lioness of a mother, that it's Sarah, and reminds us also of Batsheva. Is that this week's Haftorah? I don't remember. Or is that a different Haftorah? That's for um, uh, Chai Sarah. The, the, the inheritance? The, yes, the, who's yes. Gonna, the right? Like, we got these women who are like, they are, they are like, no. This is the way it has to be. This is the way it has to be. Rivka does the same thing. Right. right? Mm-hmm. In, in, in many ways, it's one of the themes. And by the way, to go to that Haftorah you're referring to, which I'll just give Hamavin Yavin, that that's the moment in which the prophet steps into the role of the wife. Because you notice Batsheva starts that conversation, but but Natan ends it. Right. And from there on out, the relationship of who speaks truth to power mm-hmm. is put into the hands of the prophet in their mm-hmm. relationship to the king. But the, but in the stories of Breshit, we see that, well, it's a patriarchal society, meaning the husband has the power within society. But who's the one whose role is really to say, you're off, you're off here? Mm-hmm. It's It's his wife. Right. Right, and it's a very important right. and clarifying well, factor. And, 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 and God is going. So, so, so God is the role of the prophet. God steps in to say what she said was right. Yes, so because and, and, Abraham and, is not able to accept it. Right, and God says, and this is this is to me an amazing piece of information, which God says, "Listen to her." Right. He doesn't say, "Listen to me." Right. This is this is right. Yeah. It's like it's like you think there's an adjudication between two peoples in a disagreement. God says, "This is right" or "This is right." No, He says. And this is the way I understand it. 
you missed it. She saw it with her fleshly eyes. She saw the right way. And not only that, but let's not forget that the relationship between parents is bound up with the way in which a child grows up. So when God says, listen to her, he's pointing out that, that what God really needs is for Avam and Sarah to be partners in raising Yitzchak. And God is that would actually be undermining that possibility if God said, listen, I know you don't want to accept it from her, but you'll accept it from me. Because then Avram walks away resentful to Sarah. Right. And God says, no, no, no. Right. Listen to her and appreciate, right. like you said, A, you missed it. Right. And B, appreciate the fact that she saw it. Right. You need to learn to listen there. Right. And now we Jewish husbands always have to contend with this verse, Shema Bekola, and every rabbi will tell you, Shema Bekola, listen to her voice. And we're saddled with this. That's just the way it is. And, and that's, that's okay. That's, that's fine. That's, that's the way it is in the Jewish world. Shema Bekola. Uh, by the way, I would point out it's the way it is in the human world, but just right. not overly simplistic. I'll tell you a quick story. I once okay. had a friend who's having shalom bayit issues, problems in the home, as we say. He went to a rabbi, very traditional rabbi, who told him exactly that. Anything that happens in the house, Shema you, listen, Shema you listen to the woman, yeah. anything that happens out of the house, that's your job. So he came to me knowing that I'm not the most traditionalist type of thinker. And he said, what do you think of that? Is it true? I said, it's absolutely true. The challenge is figuring out who's the husband and who's the wife in any given situation. Meaning, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being serious, is that there, there is an aspect of how we relate to the world, which is a feminine aspect, and there's an aspect of which how we relate to the world, which is a masculine aspect. A lot of people, men are purely masculine, women are purely feminine, and Shalom you Yisrael. Know, but, but a lot of the complications come when we are unable to accept the fact that, no, I actually have a feminine energy in me as well. Right. And that's what's expressing itself here. And so having to negotiate that is quite complex, but it doesn't make this any less true. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm pointing out, is that don't fall for the trap anybody listening out there thinking, oh, that's my gosh, that's like some ancient patriarchal nonsense. No, because it's easily translatable into the world in which we live now. So appreciate there's a divine masculine and a divine feminine, mm-hmm. which finds its expression there's in also, the world. There's also societal, masculine, societal, and, feminine. And, and, they're not, and they're not the same, by the way, and that's part of the challenge, is that, that traditional Jewish femininity, the, the, as expressed as the divine feminine, maps somewhat onto Western. But many of the places... That there's, I'll give you one of the classic the, examples. This is, the, this is the best example right here. Yeah. The Shema B'Kolai. She says, get him out of here. None of that, but like I Western I society example, it, Western society only values that which happens outside of the house. That's why feminism, early feminism at least, was so bound up with women getting to do what men did. Right. Whereas traditionally our society just said, well, actually what really matters is how you raise your children because that's your future. That's as valuable as it gets. Listen, listen to Sarah. Not, remember, well, you said, don't listen to me, said God. Listen to her. Right. But, but that is deeply unvalued in our Western secular mm-hmm. society. Right. But I think the Jewish world, to really, if you, if you go around the Jewish world, you see there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. And, I, and I'm always pointing to the tomb of the fathers and mothers, the, the patriarch, the Machpelah itself, as a building that symbolizes mothers and fathers. I, to me, by the way, this was never said to me, and I've really harped on this about Hebron. I'm like, this is a place... Not only the e- simplistic equality, this is a place of partnership, this is a place of love, this is a place of togetherness, this is a place of building. And it was so 3,800 years ago, and it was so 2,000 years ago to this very day. It, like That is the whole message of this building. It's the foundation. Right. Yep. It's the family. Now, right now we're having a branding discussion about Hebron, and the I want to- call it Tomb of the Patriarchs. Well, I, I've that already won that. I already won that battle. Yeah, that's not uh, get, patriarchy. It's get, not getting no, anywhere. No, no, I've already English. won that battle. I told them. I told them it doesn't matter in Hebrew or in English. We never say that. We always say tomb of the fathers and mothers. Tombs of patriarchs and matriarchs. However you want to say it, and and people have accepted that. Yep. 
and people have really accepted that. They, it's because just true. It, it's true, and it's but it's also good. It's good business. It's, for uh, sure. It just works. For sure. It just works, and it's just it's just you're getting more customers, and and no men are like put off by that, and and, and all, and, and just it's just good. Shot. It's shot simple. Uh, but um, uh, right now we're actually debating calling it either Hebron, ancient capital of Israel. Ooh, Jerusalem, getting edgy. But as a prelude to Jerusalem, I understand where it's coming from. Just saying, people get edgy about capitals. Well, it works in places like Kyoto and other places around the world uh, where you have like an ancient capital, so people go see the ancient capital. Right, so. I hear that. Interesting. And it and it links it up China. with uh, yeah, it links it up with with the rest of the country, and you know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of stories to be told. Yeah, I, hear that. I I originally wanted or originally I was pushing for, and I may be bending actually, but I wanted the first family of Israel, Hebron, the first family of Israel. But um, they may be right. Maybe ancient capital of Israel is good. But in any case, that was that was one of the ways that they came out. Anyway, Sarah says uh, what she says. Then you have a whole story. Here's the we got two more moral quandaries. Let's get through it. Okay, we have about let's do it in in, in eight, eight ten forward. minutes. Yeah, let's quander forward, which is uh, it's a it's a quander leap. Oh. <laughs> I've been watching stuff about quantum computers. Yeah, they made a recent big breakthrough lately. Yeah, and and just the whole, uh, you know, superposition, like and 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 how entanglement, right? And if you look at something, then it stops working. If you see it, it's it's like Schrodinger's cat. What I don't know what that is. We can talk about it later. Okay, uh, so it's it's interesting quantum quantum computer. That's that's yeah. It's like it's like it's like a leap forward. Is 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 like we're right on the edge of it. Right, like. You know, science already. I mean, computing has already gotten back to the original mode of science, which is we don't know why this works. All we can do is describe right. the phenomenon that we observe. Right, which is which is healthy for people. That's good. It's humbling. Yeah, it's humbling. That's good. I just worry that one day we're going to wake up and the computers are going to be in charge. Yeah, there there is there is a concern about that. There is a concern about that. Or, or, or how much, or how much, how much is it going to be us versus the machine? It's becoming a semi-reality. Like I could see. A chip being implanted in a brain soon enough. Like, why should I dial? They're, al- they're already playing with it. Right. Yeah. Like, why should I dial the phone? That's no, done. They're, they're already playing with it. Why should I look at a screen where I could look at through my eyeball? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. But anyway, that's for we can we can talk about it a different time. We'll find a Torah portion that's that's good for that. Uh, let's go the exact opposite way, which is okay. So so Sarah's position was accepted, uh, but that actually there's there's a fallout, and that fallout is for Ishmael and for Hagar. The Torah spends quite two two big chapters talking about Hagar and Ishmael, and this mm-hmm. one, this is the second one, where she she she's sent away, and she kind of fails in navigation. Somehow she 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 gets lost in the well, in the Beersheba desert, or she was sent out to die. I don't but, believe that. I mean, where are you sending someone when you're in the middle of the desert? Just kicking her. There's a spice the route. There's a spice route there. Okay. She she. It says vatetat. Like she she messed it up. In fact, like, please please don't miss like misquote me. It's like, hey, aren't you like an Egyptian Arab lady? Like, aren't you like she aren't you good at this stuff? Going. Right. You're good right. at this kind of stuff. And and if you know Bedouins, they really are good yeah, at this sure. stuff. And for example, Israeli army uses them as trackers. Uh, I've worked with them many times. Uh, but in any case, uh, she and then also she runs out of water. So then you're already twice, you're like, you're failing. And then, and then thirdly, she puts her son at a distance from her as to not see him dry out and die. And your sense is, as a moral person, you're like, there's something wrong here. Like, I, I get it that it's painful to see the kid die, but don't you want to 
be with him to the yeah, be, yeah. yeah, yeah give him whatever comfort. End, yeah. It's like you 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 abandon him. I, when I read the text, it signals to me like something's off. Yes, yeah, yeah. Judge, think about this. Judge this 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 issue. What mm-hmm. do you think about that? Huh, is there, I mean, is there something about Ishmael's parenting? Is there is there something about uh, you know the the way that they see the they see the you know the the world uh, th- that is affected through this? I, I it's hard for me to say. I'm I'm always um, wary of generalizing from this story. Also, the the role it plays in my mind is so deeply bound up with Rosh Hashanah, right? And and the the aspect of judgment. Of, of of God's intervention. I mean, it's a it's a phenomenal story that God intervenes to save his life on the basis of the fact that God hears his cry. Right. That's that's what his name is. Right. Um and, and that in many ways that, that that cry is gonna come back to haunt us for right. f- for so most the, of our history. Right. The name Yishmael, which means God will hear, is a beautiful name. We even had a big rabbi with a very famous quote for sure. about about you know Rabbi Ishmael and how God will overcome his anger on us. Very famous rabbi. Was he was he uh, was he the high priest? Ishmael Yeah, he was high priest. So, very famous rabbi. I like the name Ishmael a lot. Yeah. But the Pirkei the Rabbi Lezer is like God will hear at the end of time the trouble yeah. that Ishmael makes. It's like there's another side. And if you think about by the way Ishmael, one of their big things. I know when I bring people to Hebron, like yesterday, I brought a, 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 an important person to Hebron. The muazin went off, and he Definitely. was just like, "I don't even hear it." You know what I mean? I don't. I, right. it doesn't, it's not. It's like part of my. Yeah, you just plug it in. Yeah, you know, I think to myself, it's mincha time, it's lunchtime. I right. don't know, whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. but like it doesn't. It doesn't even bother me. In fact, to me, it's almost like a smell of Chinatown. It's like a. It's part of my audio cuisine. You right. know? Yeah, I understand. But like for him, he was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" And you know, there's a purpose in the, that. That is but meant it's, to asserts. Yeah, it is. A, it is and an it's assertion audio. of. Yeah, it's Ishmael. Yeah, no, no, no I yeah. understand. It is, it is a verbal or at least an auditory assertion of a frame. Right. Okay, so we don't we don't have a a, a great sense of of that business. I feel a dilemma. Hard for me to speak to it. Right. No, I I agree with you. I also don't have. Uh, Although I would just emphasize that our our tradition saw fit to stick this as the Torah reading for the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, there's, there's I obviously always wondered something about that. very profound I, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was on the Temple Mount hearing a guy, you know, uh, read this out loud. It's not the prettiest story of Jewish no, history. No, no you wouldn't think that that would be the one that you'd bring up on a day of judgment, right? It's like it's like she, okay, so they send out. You'd think, okay, we're going to send you out. Here's a great compensation package, right? And golden parachute. Yeah, it's all good. You talk, it's all a good. Small <laughs> bottle of water and a bad map. <laughs> oh man, that is a quandary. Okay, great. Next. Uh, 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 just the very, ultimate quandary, right? Uh, j- very quickly, though, there is one more little story here, which Micro is about quandary. the no. The, here, I don't know what the quandary is, but Sorry. here is the 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 the, um, the 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 city that's the star of this all this Torah portion is Beersheba. Yes. Okay, we've been around Beersheba, the, the the desert of Beersheba. We've been around Beersheba, by the way, which is having a great renaissance right now. Um, and Beersheba is uh, is uh, is sworn. Beersheba comes either from seven. Sheep or the oath, either Sheva sheep or Shvua oath between... Or an oath sworn on Sheva sheep. On Sheva sheep, that's right. Okay, and, and Be'er Sheva will be later renamed. Uh, 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 um, Abraham is going to plant a tamarix tree it's called an Eshel, and this Eshel tree, if you find it today, if you look it up, you'll see the tamarix tree releases tiny beads of water, and it's like a two degrees cooler underneath the tamarix tree. It's a microclimate. It's a microclimate, and and that means that people can sit there relatively comfortably. Um, 
And the word vaita appears twice in the Torah, I think, as I saw it in the Baal term last week, which is that, that Noach uh, um, planted this uh, vineyard, and Avram planted this, and both of these plants, the original plants, were from Gan, Gan Eden, says the Baal term. In any case, the last, uh, the last one is, as you said, the, the ultimate quandary, and that is the quandary of, uh, of, the, of the binding of the Akeda. Uh, and we've already learned that God says, you know, your Ishmael's not going to inherit, but it's going to be through Yitzchak. And yet God says to, to Abraham, go to the place, and now the new star of this show is going to be Jerusalem, or the, 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 Mount, the, Moriah. the, the Mount Moriah, which is the heart of, of the, where the temple is going to be. Go back to this place and take up your son Isaac and, and, and offer him up, and offer him up. Uh, I heard one great answer here, which I will never forget, and it is from the exilarch of our time. Lord Re- Rabbi Lord, John. That, that's Dance. right. That's right. I saw it coming. <laughs> I really, I really see him as the Reish Galusa. He is the head of the exile, and I was therefore not surprised when he decided not to move to Israel. Now he is a brilliant and huge person in our time, for sure. Uh, really, and he's Marbit's Torah. He's Marbit's Torah with his sure. awesome yellow ties. He's Marbit's Torah, and he's an incredible person. And he said something, he was arguing with, I think it was Sam Harris or somebody else, one of these great uh, uh, atheist theologians. <laughs> you love saying that. It's <laughs> just funny. So <laughs> See, he made you laugh, atheist theologian. Those two don't belong together. That's right, that's right. So, so, so basically, uh, the, I think it was Sam Harris says to him, or somebody else, says to him, what kind of God is this that asks Abraham to... Sacrifice his son on the altar to to some kind of idolatrous business. So Sex, Rabbi Sex says, it's exactly the opposite. This whole story was to show he's like in that time everybody, any decent god would ask you for child sacrifice. Right. He's like th- th- this whole story was to be like, and we're done with that. That's not the way to serve it. So the whole story is to say, don't do that. That was Sex's. Uh, take on that and, and there's a very um, powerful and clear way to see that in the text which I think we've spoken about before which is that that name Elohim the world God the general term for God is is the voice which speaks to Abraham and tells him to bring up the attack to sac- sacrifice him but when God says don't touch your son don't make any wound it's the shame of Vaya right that there's that there's a different revelation that occurs right. through Abraham's ability to hold what looks like mutually opposing ideas mm-hmm. Yitzchak's your future now sacrifice him mm-hmm. did you get the message I gave you when you laughed originally that the world is not bounded by your understanding now we're going to double down on that how deeply did you internalize or were you only able to hold it when it gave you what you wanted and then as soon as you got what you wanted it's all about gimme 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 that narrow ego self let's see Abraham are you able to bring a new revelation of my name into the world mm-hmm. by holding two things which, which the human capacity cannot grasp Ah, then this is why it's the last test, and it's the and, and why is he not arguing with him as in back in the Sodom story? Because to argue with him would, in this case would be to bring the ego self in. Right. Remember, because because Sodom is somebody somebody Sodom, else. Not only somebody else, they're the opposite of Abraham. They're right. the anti-Abraham. Right. They right. represent everything opposed to him. So therefore, right. it's clearly not ego. Right. It's actually about God and justice. Here, how could he possibly separate his desire, his passionate desire to have a son? From the moral mm-hmm. assertion that this shouldn't happen, so therefore he's he, he knowing that he's unable to marshal that side of himself, and therefore is forced to grasp two mutually impossible truths that Yitzhak is both the future and is the sacrifice, and in holding that 
he's able to put his ego aside. And that's how the new revelation comes forward. Remember that it's the boundedness of our ego self that prevents revelation. We don't believe it's possible. We live in a world where we impose limits and God is knocking on the door saying, let me in, let me in, Avraham. And this is the great revelation. And one of the very physical manifestations of that is the shofar. Yes. Yesterday, I took a guy who's a Sam Harris listening, self-identified, Jewish, nationalistic, but atheist. And we took him to Hebron. And he was having a good time with, you know, Hebron. It's a, it's a, it's a mixed bag. You know, it's, there's good, there's Complex, bad, there's ugly. Yeah, sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, we went into the store. I needed to pick up something for my trip tonight. Uh, so I went into the, the Hebron, uh, what's it called? Souvenir shop. Yeah. There's a big souvenir shop. Lots of silver stuff, wine, sidurim. Merchandise. Stuff, m- merchandise. What does he gravitate towards? This guy doesn't have a money problem. What does he gravitate towards? A shofar. And I said to him, let me help you pick it. I could see that he wanted one. And I know how to pick him a little bit because, you know, you gotta, he, doesn't, he, tried, he doesn't know how to blow the shofar at all. He tried. It was like, ah. Anyway, I picked up a shofar for him. And here's this Jew. We go. I said to him, let's go film you in front of Martin Machpelah trying to blow this thing. So we go, we go out and he's blowing the shofar next to Abraham Avinu. And he, you know, in his heart, he's really like, I'm an atheist. He really feels that he's strong about that. Mm-hmm. He believes in that. But there he's blowing the shofar, breaking out of those boundaries. You know, breaking out of those boundaries, trying to blow that shofar in front of the in front of Abraham. Listen, I in my experience a lot of that atheist posture, um, a lot of it, not all, a lot of it just comes from their rejection of a false god, because they were presented at some point with someone's very limited, right. usually agenda driven, right. notion of God, and that's right. actually what this whole story is about. God's basically saying to Avram, "You don't know me. Right. You might get a little closer to me if you're able to listen, and you're willing to sacrifice everything you know." which don't know me. Right. And, and in Avram's ability to hold that, he brings a much greater revelation right. into the world. And that's the shofar, a, a one-end constraint? Yeah. And friction? And yeah. the other side? Well, mina meta karati, I right. called out from the narrow place, and God answered me in the broad. All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. Rabbi Mike Foyer joins us, Parshat Vayera, filled with uh, moral quandaries. We try to uh, touch uh, every every part of the story with uh, dealing with it, and, and that doesn't mean we've answered them all. <laughs> we're, no, well, we're, that's the beauty of a quandary. Right, right, we're struggling with them, and the beauty is the text wants you to struggle with them. L- yeah. Love that struggle. That's the name of our people. Like, struggle with moral things. Struggle with God, and you can, and you will. Yes. You'll, you'll, you'll be successful when you do, when you actually struggle. Not when you, want, not when you win. No, but but no, no. but when you but when you tackle it, the growth is in the struggle yeah. for All sure. Right. Rabbi Mike Foyer, I want to wish you a Shabbat Shalom. I'm flying out tonight uh, to uh, to uh, to uh, where Fort Lauderdale, and I'll be in Palm Beach for the uh, restoration weekend of the David Harwood's Freedom Center. Uh, I'm speaking there a little bit, and I'm excited for that. But I shall be back with the help of God. Uh, next week to see you. I'll, I, I will be back Tuesday, so hopefully we'll be back on recording next Wednesday. All right, Shalom. I look forward to it. Travel safe. Folks, you can connect with Rabbi Mike Foyer at uh, uh, at thelandofisrael.com, uh, jewishstory.co, and facebook.com forward slash Mike. And I got a webinar coming up pre-Hanukkah. People are interested in talking about uh, Hanukkah and how it reflects on the American Jewish and Israeli Jewish relationship. Send me an email. Great. Facebook. I'll Great. let you know the details. Great. Oh, you know what I thought to myself? What's that? It says it, he takes he takes uh, uh, Avram outside to see the stars. It says Ko Yezarecha. I was like Ko is Chanukah, Chanu Bechavhei, 
the Maccabees are going to be your 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 your, uh, your seat after you. All right, folks. Hopefully, we'll catch a little bit of Maka Fleischer next. In any case, stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. Lots of love from the Land of Israel and the Land of Israel Network. A la- blessings from the Land of Blessings. More great stuff is in the way. God bless you. Lots of love and shalom. Shalom. This week on Israel Uncensored with Josh Haston, an interview with Maurice Hirsch of Palestinian Media Watch. The Palestinian Authority continues to transfer vast sums of money to the Palestinian Liberation Organization. No one knows exactly where that money goes over and above the money that they spend every month paying salaries to terrorists or allowances to the families of their terrorists. That's Israel Uncensored every Monday with Josh Haston on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Shalom, everybody, and welcome back to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting this segment from Judea with our beloved Malka Fleischer. Malka, shalom, and welcome to the show. Hey, Yishai. It's spicy out there. It's spicy out there. It is spicy out there indeed. And what was, uh, what was, uh, we actually felt it on our own flesh, this, uh, this rocketeering. Now, obviously, if we lived in a different part of the country, we'd feel it much more. But here, where we live uh, in the mountains, uh, where you know we, you could actually see from some parts of uh, Judea here, you could see the Gaza Strip uh, all the way down in the coastal plain. But the rockets don't reach us here. On the other hand, you nice had quiet Judea. Well, quiet in that sense, but we have, of course, rock throwing and other things that we face here with this um, homegrown jihad. Um, uh, that that I, in some ways it's very you know you hear about anti-Semitism in other parts of the world, but you're like. Here in Israel, we have inside of the Jewish state, we have this jihadism that's thriving, and uh, that's very power- painful and powerful, I guess. Um, but what I, what I wanted to say is that you actually felt it on your own flesh because your sister, her husband, and their kids were in Israel right. for the bat mitzvah. And uh, I want to thank everyone, by the way, who either wrote in or told me personally that they enjoyed uh, Leah on the show last week. Yes. She got a kick out of that, out of doing the show, and some people wrote in or, or contacted mm-hmm. us and let us know that they enjoyed that. Not just some, made her some really people. Proud. Not just some people, but probably more more emails that I've gotten on any, on any particular show. Oh, wow, show. really? Must oh. have gotten just a lot of email you people. Tell her. I don't know if you told her that. I, I showed her some of the emails today. Wow. I read your emails to, to Leah just to, just to show her how you guys felt and about that. Was that really was really happy. neat. Uh, but Thanks, you uh, were supposed to go see your sister who right. who was in Tel Aviv yesterday, and you didn't go right. because that because, was the because there was video of like rockets exploding on the street. A lot of uh, a lot of you have probably seen this this video, which made it around of these cars like driving down the highway, you know, rush hour or whatever they're doing, getting to work, and uh, and this rocket touches down like I don't know a foot behind. These two cars, it was like an absolute miracle that the rocket did not hit the cars or or make them explode, make their tires pop, make, I don't know what. It was like an absolute miracle. But because of that, I was a little like wary to drive because even without all that, you know what I mean? If you If there's like a rocket siren and then I'm driving with three kids in the car and I have to pull over and I'm buckling everybody and yeah. getting them on the ground... Like it just seemed to me not the day to like go on yeah. a on a family outing, and my sister who was here 
with her family. This was her first rocket siren. They actually took it really well. I thought they even took it a little too well. Like they, they didn't seem very concerned about it. And they kind of like went to the beach and stuff. I'm like, guys, you guys should not go to the beach. Today's not the day. But um, everything pretty much worked out for them. But uh, but uh, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't hang out yesterday, and that I, I was their last day. I bumped into a guy uh, who works in Tel Aviv, here in Judea, and he says, uh, "I I skipped uh, going to work. I worked from home." Right. And and he said to me, it "Just doesn't make sense to drive into, right, the line of fire. That does that's not that doesn't make sense. That's not the right, right thing to do." You don't have to like get on the first plane out of here, but at the same time, like driving all around. Right. You gotta just uh, keep the roads clear. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I'm getting already emails and WhatsApps from people who are just very frustrated with the situation. The bad news is the situation isn't going away so quickly. It's just not going to go away so quickly. It's it's uh, it's going to be a uh, it's going to continue this way because we did the horrible move of uh, evicting ourselves from Gaza, from yes, controlling bad, that. bad, bad move. And, uh, and if we would ever do that again, God forbid, that's exactly what would happen. The Gaza Strip proves, the Gaza Strip uh, experiment proves to the average Israeli that this is an absurd idea to give away control of, of large tracts of land uh, to the jihad. Right. By the At way, the same time, it doesn't appear that we're ready to fix that mistake. No. And uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and our new defense minister, Naftali Bennett, um, while they appear to be doing kind of what we always do, which is... Um, you know, strike targets and, you know, thank God we killed this this new this uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad leader. That's really, really great. And apparently we killed another guy in Syria like the same time they injured him badly or injured him very yeah. badly. Anyway, that's that's also nice. Um, so that's good work. But at the same time, like we sort of, you know, uh, as of this recording, we've been hit or attempted to be hit by like four hundred rockets do you understand what 400 rockets are now thank the lord we have this new incredible technology which hashem has bestowed upon us and give put into the brains of the jewish people to create which is the iron dome missile defense system Mm -hmm. this thing is like a game changer like no other it has managed to make it that rockets don't hit stuff it explodes them in the air right it sends our missiles after their missiles and neutralizes them in the air and stops them right which has made it that Israel at war is not nearly as threatened as it used to be. But there's like a downside to that, which is that we kind of accept as fact the notion that we're going to get like rockets lobbed at us here and there. So like we got to, you know, just make sure they don't hurt anybody. Right. And we haven't been able to do that all the way in this case, although the Iron Dome has certainly... um, prevented numerous tens of disasters over the course of this period um there's still people who have been hurt just today there was a woman in an old age age home the rocket like exploded outside the home or right in the home and she got hurt by shrapnel and glass uh, and she's she's in moderate condition the the, the most heartbreaking injury was an eight-year-old girl who had a heart attack that's she, like she had health issues previously i guess so yeah. the poor thing she like Anyway, she's in in serious condition, and and uh, businesses have been injured, and homes have been injured, and I've heard that it's you know the government they reimburse for things like that. There's a certain kind of insurance that happens from the government with terror attacks, but it's not easy. It's not like the next day they're showing up on your door with like stacks of two hundred shekel bills. 
it takes a long time and and not to mention the trauma and the cleanup and let's say you lost things that are precious to you and you have to do interim plans and if it's your business your business has been shut down for some time there was like a toy factory in steroid that suffered a direct hit and then there was a fire yep right so like those people steroid is not like a hotbed of industry it's uh it's a small um, it's a small city in israel and i don't know what's going to happen to the business owner of of this this business so we've we you know, we've, we faced a hard couple of days, which weirdly weren't hard enough to cause us to do major, you know, stopping of terror in Gaza. We do this like low level stopping of terror in Gaza. We're not ready. We're certainly not like sending, you know, putting troops on the border and, and, you know, sending down flyers that we're taking back over Gaza in 24 hours. You know, you guys have like lost your, we're, we we decided that this unilateral gift that we give you, we're taking it back. Uh, we're not doing anything, you know, remotely like that. I, I saw an, an interview with uh, IDF spokesperson Jonathan Conricus, who's like, well, we don't want this to become like a major thing. And I think to myself, like, IDF? Like, is that you? Are you literally going public with the like, you're there to like quiet everyone down and go, don't worry. It's not going to be that bad. I saw I saw a, tw- a tweet. I've been on Twitter a lot, as have a lot of us uh, over the last 48 hours. And uh, I saw this like the IDF has been putting out a lot of tweets, which are getting shares and all kinds of stuff. So but one tweet that I saw was like civilians are not the target. The public is not the target. Buildings are not the t- something like that. Like terror is the target. And while I totally appreciate that. Right. And it's true. Civilians are not the target and terrorism is the target. Like, shouldn't we be putting like the fear of God into the people who are on the other side of this thing? Shouldn't it be that the people of Gaza are like running into the streets and clawing the eyes out of the terrorists who are launching rockets from their neighborhoods going, you are not going to endanger us and our children. The Israelis are so flipping scary. You are getting out of here and like hitting them with brooms and getting them out of there. But instead, the civilians are like, well, the IDF says they're not going to like, they're not going to harm us. So we can just be calm. And like, this will play itself out eventually. It's like, it's like, it's like those action movies where it's like, you're not going to hurt me. You're American police. You have laws. All kinds of stuff like that. It's Wait, like, where's that from? It's uh, whatever, Die Hard. That whatever. sounds like, like Die Hard. You know, it's like, you're not, you're not going to hurt me. It's like. It's and like there's, the, something, there's something very, very noble about that. No, it just seems it's out ignoble. of place in this right. moment. It's because, because it's like, it doesn't seem strategic at all. It seems like, it seems like it's like the kind of thing that you say to the whole like they're trying to say it to the whole entire world because what they're more afraid of than rockets is that the world is going to be upset with us which i don't like like maybe i'm more afraid of rockets than i am of well you know um it feels to me like the people who are writing these tweets like their families are maybe not in a bomb shelter like they it feels to me a little impersonal like yeah. It feels to me like people who it's, don't it's don't that, have empathy for the people. It's not that they're not in bomb shelters, Mark. It's not that they're not in bomb shelters. It's that there's a milieu. That, a, a what? A milieu, which means that uh, which is a general ideological atmosphere, which is not to be badass and not to be scary and not. Here's here's a crazy word that I saw about the Mossad in like a YouTube video from like the 80s. They're like the Mossad. 
ruthless, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, ruthless, that's a good word for a fighting machine. It's a good word. It's like, but we've been so indoctrinated with peace and the language of peace and the language of uh, social justice and the language of, uh, of humanitarian assistance, humanitarian rights, blah, blah, blah. All this, all this language which basically emasculates the, the, the I, I, maybe that's not the right word if you don't like that word, but I just mean to say generally it's against that kind of thing that you're talking about, which is in, 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 to boil it all down, it's defanging and it takes away the right to rage, right to rage. And it really harms our deterrence. Uh, because I think, on top of, of course, because you don't because have rage. Like, you just, you just, you're like, you're really trying. You're like, don't, you're literally going out there and going, don't be afraid. Right. When really they should be afraid. Isn't that's like almost one of the jobs is to be scary. If you're not scary. I don't I don't get it. Like I don't get it. It just it seems to me like we should be really making the enemy afraid. Okay, uh, interesting uh, segue here is that though you weren't able to go the day before to Tel Aviv to see your sister, you went today to see her. Yep. In the airport via the super fast train from right, the Jerusalem. Super fast train. I went on the super fast train for, for the, the first, first time. time Shechiano Kimana. Yes. Oh, I didn't say Shechiano. I didn't uh, say it again. But it, it was really, really cool. And Shechiano Kimana Vigiano Right. Um, first of all, I want to, like, uh, in parentheses, I thought it was, like, a little weird that Ben Gurion Airport is flying planes in and out with, like, no delays or anything. On the one hand, it felt good. And I was like, oh, that's nice that everything is, like, running as usual. But on the other hand, I was like, I hope this is going to work out okay. Right. That all these planes are flying in and out. I guess that it's so like standardized by now. They know where to fly know. and where know. not to fly. I, I don't, don't know feel how it works. I don't with that either. And it ha- I happen to be flying out tonight. Right. <laughs> so that's a bit. <laughs> so that's a bit. You of a always funny. do that though, Ishai. That's yeah. like a classic Ishai move. As soon as as soon as there's some kind of war or about to be a war, no, or usually, some like a hurricane, that's when you're like, oh, I'm flying to America. No, 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 no. That is not the way it is. I'm usually in a flight outside of of Israel, and then stuff happens. Right. That's what so usually. This time happens. you're just leaving me during the war. That's yeah. that's totally fine. Uh, bummer. Uh, I also want to say. Oh, Malky, you made me forget to say what I Wait, said. but oh. I want to say about the fast train. Yes. I went on the fast train. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Yeah. It's really fast. And it got me from Jerusalem to Ben-Gurion International Airport in 20 minutes for 17 shekels each way. <laughs> I feel like you can do that just to like eat at the food court and come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, oh, I could really use some like, I don't know. They don't have, they don't actually. Bonbons. Yeah. I, don't know, I really want some like airport air i'm just gonna get on this thing really fast it was nice and i got to go over the big big bridge right next to jerusalem right just to, no not next to jerusalem next to modin oh that big bridge the big, the big, big bridge, bridge in the beginning oh yeah, wow right, that's cool right, um yeah right as you're coming into jerusalem right the truth is from the train it doesn't look as big as it looked from the highway like i expected when they were building this giant that's bridge because for you, didn't, years, you didn't you didn't it was gonna be big and, and high 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 but the truth is it's it doesn't feel as high. That's as because I you didn't do what you're supposed to do when you ride, um, like rides. What do you call them? Uh, what raise my hands up and yell? Yeah, you got to be like whoa. I don't know that the other people on the train would. Or as you would say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a it's a house. That's joke. an inside thing. House anyway, joke. wait. I wanted to say something. This week's Torah portion, Malka, is also the Torah portion of of uh, doulas and uh it's it's the one of the other torah portions of uh women's b- jewish birth yes 
We got we got uh, we got Yitzchak's birth, which is really no laughing matter. Uh, <laughs> and also we got the weaning party. Weaning party. Yeah, we talked about it. I don't less. know why Jews don't have this. I think it should become a tradition as a result of this. Yeah. Why aren't there weaning parties? Yeah, we have to have a weaning party. I, I, I think know. I told you last year. I feel like I sat right in the same seat and said the same thing last year, but I'll say it again this year. Our listeners love that that that's feeling yeah of cyclical repetitiveness that we do every year certain things. So so please go I ahead. I just want to say that I totally understand what happened in the Parsha. Yeah. I think I said this last year. I feel it. But it's one of the like cuter things that happens in the Torah, so I like to talk about it, which is that it like goes by very quick. Like, oh, there was a weaning party and then all, you know, everything was fine. The here was what the weaning party was. The weaning party was Yitzchak didn't want to stop nursing. Did any of you have this kid? I had two of them, okay? Two kids, God bless them, the boys. the boys, who did not want to stop nursing, particularly one of them who was a total fiend. And basically what Sarah and Abraham, like in pig Latin in the back of the tent, they're like, we're going <laughs> to make a party. We're going to. Okay. You're going to stop. And then we're going to have a party for you. Oh, my God. Wait, you mean you, you, you tell that to Yitzchak? You mean yeah. Literally. They're like, Yitzchak, we got a party for you. You're going to stop. And he's like, okay. And that was it. That was uh-huh. it. Sarah was like desperate. And she's like, you're inviting everybody. And we're having this flipping party. And Yitzchak is going to stop because enough already. Right. I understand. God bless him. Little, Very good. Little, little lamb. Little Yitzchak. Baruch Hashem. All right, folks. You are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. Maka Fleischer, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I have to cut the show short because I got to get m- me to the airport. Get me to the flight on time. And um, and I'm excited for, for a short uh, uh, stay in Florida and meet a lot of uh, important and good people who are fighting the fight uh, for for values and, and for uh, and for and for strength uh, against against foes and against the narrative war. So I'm excited for, for a weekend in Palm Beach. But I am of course going to be spreading Eretz Israel, and I have with me twelve recessed maps. What are they called? Um, twelve. Uh, Topographical, Topographical. yeah, uh, uh, maps to give away to people, and uh, I'm going to be bringing, of course, Eretz Yisrael with me and Hebron with me. I want you to come to Hebron and visit us by going to hebronfund.org, learn more about what's going on in in Hebron, Uh, visit our Facebook page, which is Hebron Official, and of course, come on on one of our amazing tours in English weekly with the the amazing Rabbi Simcha Hachbound, so come visit us in Hebron, thank you very much, and also... Put on some blue string by going to the True Blue Jew website, which is T E K H E L E T dot com. Maka, I want to really bless you uh, for a good time, or an okay and relaxing time while I'm away. Thank you, Amen. Don't clean up too much or anything like that. Just okay. chill. Okay. Just chill, relax. If you insist, I will not clean up too much. Yeah, just just relax a little bit. I want you. I want you bonbons. to bonbons. Yeah, just bonbons and watch some TV and relax uh, a little bit. That That's right. Fun. I I know that you uh, sh- that you a little bit relax when I'm away. I know that there's a truth there, uh, which 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 I don't I don't I don't uh, uh, what's the word? I don't begrudge you. Thank you. I don't begrudge you. Enjoy it. Uh, and uh, wish me a lot of luck on my I trip. I wish you a lot of success. And when I come back, Malka, it's going to be just a few days before Chai Sara. Oh, yeah, yeah. The big, the big Hebron party at Chai Sara. Uh, 40,000 uh, people come to take part in the, uh, uh, in the reading of the Torah portion that speaks of the purchase of the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs by, by 
uh, forefather Abraham uh, as an eternal resting place for the biblical family, the first family of Israel. So that's very exciting, amazing things. Please write me an email, yishaiatthelandofisrael.com. If you want to write to Malka, write me an email, forward it to her, yishaiatthelandofisrael.com. Um, and follow Malka if you want a good hearty har strengthening and <laughs> all, all the stuff. If you need, you know, you need laughing, you need strengthening, you need to cry, you need to laugh. Follow her on Twitter. She is amazing. She is the, she's a Twitter master out there. Wow, thanks, yep, Shai. You're doing great stuff. And that's it. I want to bless you from the land of blessings, from Judea, um, wherever you are out there, whatever you need. May Hashem give it to you and bless you. And all Hashem asks you is that you stay connected to Him and stay connected to His great story, which is if you're. If you're listening to the end of the show, you are connected. So write me an email. Hashtag I'm connected. It's just that simple. I'm connected. That's exactly it. God bless you folks wherever you are. Shalom and Shabbat Shalom. Yes. Peace in the Middle East. And Shalom in the home. <laughs> <laughs> Maka, thanks for being with me. Shabbat yes. Shalom. I have seen everything in the days of my vanity, says the wise of all kings. There's a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there's a wicked man who lives long in his evil. Be not overly righteous, warned Solomon, and be not overly wise. Why should you bring desolation upon yourself? Well, I'm not worried that I'm overly righteous, and I certainly don't think I'm overly wise, but I am Rav Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Join Rav Mike Foyer for the best Jewish history podcast, The Jewish Story, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.